Welcome everyone to another episode of The Point of More Returns. I'm your gracious host, the masked investor. And with me, we have the esteemed welfare. Welfare, talk to me. How you doing today? Hey, what's up, man? I'm great. I'm feeling good. Just busy on my end. A lot of craziness, like business-wise. How, how are things your way, though? Things are peachy keen, my man. Things are peachy keen. And so today, on today's episode, we have a special treat for you. We explored this topic, well, started this topic a few weeks ago on the episode with finding uh, a deal in seconds with welfare. So today we're going to go beyond that and start looking at commercial real estate properties and how welfare will take us through the process of screening through those to find the jewels and the diamonds that are in the rough that are out there in the marketplace today. And so we're going to start off welfare. I'll let you take it from here a couple of weeks ago. Well, let me just lay the scenario a couple of weeks ago, I've been sending a few properties over the welfare and he expertly dissected the property. And I just thought for sure that we had to share this with the community. So welfare, I'll let you tell us a little bit about the deal and what's going on with it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Man. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so just like you said, naturally, like we're friends in real life, we talk about deals and like possibilities. And since he's primarily like a, a business buyer, he believes in you know, e-commerce businesses, that's where he, you know, created his chops and me, I'm, I'm just starting to really get acclimated in the real estate world. I'm, I'm trying to get him over to the dark side of doing some real estate deals. So he started sending me a couple of deals and I found one that was really interesting. And I figured it would be a really excellent idea to just talk about it in the pod. So again, my background is primarily residential real estate. That's my sweet spot. But my co-host sent over a commercial deal. So let me just let me just do the rundown of the overall summary for it. It's a retail space, about 5,000 square feet. Looks like it's on a busy street, metropolitan area, like metropolitan Atlanta. They, they, they're saying that it's 74% leased. The asking price is a little bit over a mil, $204 per square foot. They're saying that the gross... The gross rental income is a little over 75K and they're saying the NOI is 35,000. So they have like some pictures and they have like a little memorandum. Looks like it's it's retail, but it's mostly like sort of like mom pa type businesses. Looks like there's a cell cellular store on the inside of it. They're given they provided some like population demographics, household demographics in addition to so yeah, the deal the deal itself. It piqued my interest just because I haven't done a commercial deal yet. And it's something that, you know, is on the horizon that, that we could, you know, do in the in the near future. So, like I said, it's 1.1 mil and I'm just doing the math on that. So I'm trying to get to like the cap rate. Okay. They're saying the asking price was 1.1 and the net operating income was 35000 roughly speaking. So based on that, that's like, is that 3%? Like, it's not... It's not a lot of, um, it's not a great return in, in that regard. Well, what's typically a healthy cap rate then at 3% with something north of five, seven, is that typically what you're looking for? Well, excellent question. And this is the argument just in the, the greater investment community, not just in real estate. And as you know, you're an investor too. So what drives a lot of decisions are like what type of return you'll get, i.e. point of more returns right? That's one of the key drivers in determining if something is a good investment or not. So at 3% and you're investing a million dollars, just that alone is 
probably not a deal I would be interested in just off the bat. But again, it's just a screen. So we need to like look a little bit deeper. But to answer your question, anything above six, seven percent is probably a pretty good return. Because what what you typically base that on is, well, I can get that in the stock market just getting, you know, index fund. So if you can get five, six, seven percent from an index and you can just, you know, go out and go shoot hoops or, you know, just live your life and come back and and you're five, six, seven percent richer is like, do you really want to take on that risk for a lot less of a return? I mean, I guess if you're looking at it from a diversification type of play or you know, you're you're trying to get to a different asset class, maybe, but then the argument is you can probably find a different type of commercial property that's gonna give you a healthier, more attractive return. So let's let's dig into the deal. It says that it's a, a class B property. So they kind of when I say they like the industry, like the commercial industry kind of rates property, I guess residential too, like A B properties in the sense of a being most ideal, like ideal neighborhood, ideal property situation, and C may not necessarily be as attractive of a neighborhood based on like a lot of different factors. So they're saying that this is a, a class B, a, a building B. I thought it was really funny they said 74% leased because that's, that's semantics. Like that's a really good word wordplay. Another way of looking at this it is it's 26% <laughs> vacant, right? But you're going to lead, you're going to lead with optimism and not pessimism if you're like the one trying to sell this thing you're trying to unload it right so i thought that was like a really interesting thing it says that the building was built in 1978 man that's not a new building but you know it's commercial retail so you can't expect it to be brand spanking new they're saying some of the amenities like their signage which if you're a tenant that's important they claim to have a property manager on site close on a bus line freeway visibility and then they're saying air conditioning so if i go one i would ask like about the rent roll from each individual tenant to see and then about the vacancy i would see how long they've been vacant and get an idea of like why there has been a vacancy why like even like maybe 80 or 85 percent or even 90 percent occupancy would would be a little bit more attractive but even still at 70, 74%, if I'm looking to really seriously buy this thing, I'm going to ask for a deep discount or just I'm going to be prepared to walk away from the deal type thing. So I guess the argument is, this, and this is what we were saying when we were looking at the deal. I'm like, man, I love the idea. Like, I love where your head is at in terms of like trying to make a bold move and, and do a, a seven figure deal. My argument to my co-host was like at a 77K rent roll, like, because I already am comfortable with residential, I'd rather do that and do like a, a midterm rental. So like a traveling nurse or a clinician or like a short term, like an Airbnb situation and, and spend, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 on a down payment. And then, you know, my rent roll could still be 50, 60, 70,000, which matches the, the gross rent. And the purchasing price is going to be a lot less and it's not going to be as like arduous of a deal to do since it's a commercial deal. So just in terms of like pure returns, it's like I could probably get this with the right residential property for a, a lot less asking and I could be in a lot less debt with the, a better return. So I would probably kick this one back. But again, like this is what we do on the regular, like outside of the pod, which is why we started the pod in the first place was because it's like, man, we talk about deals so much. We just need to like, kind of record our thinking. But yeah, overall, again, I think it was a, a, a great idea. I salute you on that, especially you not being a real estate guy, but this this deal has to go back, man.
<laughs> okay, so it's back to the trash heap for this one. Just a few things that I wanted to touch on that I saw that I thought may be of interest. So first, when you go through the executive summary, it mentions that it's a four-space strip center located at a quarter mile from I-20 in Atlanta. With it being a four-space strip center, would that make any difference in terms of the economics of the deal or the attractiveness if it was let's say a 10 space or a more a 12 space center would that play into factor as well or yeah so great great again i'm not i'm not a commercial guy so this is just this is just straight conjecture i don't i don't have any actual experience in commercial deals but if i'm looking at a, a space i'm looking at how many opportunities i'm going to have for someone to pay the mortgage essentially right or the the loan so if it's four spaces depending on how i, I kind of section off the property let's just say it's four tenants i want to i want to have potentially more tenants because that has a greater chance of my loan getting paid versus like if you lose one i mean it's going back to residential again it's kind of like the same argument was like well would you rather have a duplex or triplex or quadplex or like an apartment well, several people would say an apartment because apartment building of like, let's say 20 units, because then you have a better chance of getting your money because just the law of probability is like less people. It'll it'll hurt less if you have more people potentially paying their rent. So again, that's just my opinion. That's not law by any means, but I like where your head is at because you could also make the argument the other ways. Like if you have four solid tenants is better than like 20 flighty tenants. Um, and I think that's where your head was going but just really depends man it just depends on the quality of your tenants at the end of the day gotcha now another thing that comes to my attention is that they mentioned some traffic numbers they said there's forty thousand vehicles per day who use this stretch of the highway and it travels to an office logistics warehouse manufacturing facilities in the area that have been operating here for decades what are your initial thoughts and feelings when you hear something like that is that an ideal traffic flow is that bring to mind any income, demographic feelings, just what's your overall thoughts on that in terms of traffic flow, in terms of attracting tenants for the properties for you? Yeah, good point. As a property owner or a lessor, I mean, it's good to know, but that, to your point, is more like marketing for getting tenants in type thing, right? But I don't know if that, it's almost like an indirect benefit, right? Because 40,000 40, cars per day doesn't really impact the person who owns the property's bottom line is more of like a indirect benefit of the people that lease the property, right? Because then that increases the opportunity that you get the rent paid to you. But again, it's, it's, it sounds good, right? It, it sounds like a big deal and they're leading with that. So they clearly think it's something that's very attractive to someone that would want to buy it. But it's kind of like, okay, it's a good to know, but I don't know if that's not to be rude, but it hasn't changed the 74% lease. Like if it was that much traffic, it would be closer to 100% occupancy, right? Like, I mean, this is just me putting on my skepticism hat, but <laughs> that's just kind of the way I'm looking at it, man. What do you think? Well, it, it would, for me, if I was looking at this from small business perspective as an owner and I'm looking to buy one of the businesses that we're actually occupying and being a tenant in the place. For me, I like that traffic, 40,000 plus traffic flow with easy ingress, egress, right? Especially with the types, you know, being in a manufacturing warehouse, logistics facilities, that sector's steaming hot right now. 
and doesn't seem to be slowing. Well, it's slowing up in terms of the economic as if everything right now, but in the long-term impact of it, I, I think that sector is going to, it's still poised for long-term economic growth. It's not a sector that's in decline. And so I, I guess you could kind of look at it in two ways, though, I guess that life force is also susceptible to being, you know, automated out, right? So there is that too. But I mean, overall, I still feel confident that, you know, you're going to have a steady flow in and growing pool of traffic to pull from. And so, you know, the, the economy is going to have some buying power. So it does provide for tenants that need services such as, you know, maybe barbershop. Obviously, you wouldn't maybe try to do the dry cleaning cloud to that, you know, because they're going to be doing warehouse logistics. So they're probably just doing straight laundry, but, you know, food services like haircut, barber services, you know, things like that, I think would be good tenants that play to that crowd. And, you know, they, they, they have a pretty good steady performing for that. So for me as a business owner, not, those are the type of businesses I'd be looking to put into that. But another thing I want to show here and just take a look at is that they were mentioning that there's 50 parking spaces on the property though. And with four tenants, 50 parking spaces, that's about 25 parking space. Well, not 25, roughly like 12, 12 and a half, right? Parking spaces per uh, building for a facility. So what, what comes to, how do you feel about that? You know, mm, kind of comes down to the business. Right. And then how the business is operating, like that could be more than enough parking. It could not be enough. Like it's like an automotive shop that could pose maybe a traffic problem. I think that was like one of the tenants based on the memorandum. But I think 12 is enough. Like if it's like typical retail, like a, um, like I think I said a cell phone store, like eh, 12, 12 parking spots is probably enough. Just kind of depends on like what businesses they get in there. Right. I mean, just looking at the picture, it looks like the tennis that they have. They have a bar and grill, a FedEx, and I cannot tell, what is that, a rim shop? Or I can't tell what the last tenant is. I see a tire shop. Yeah, it's like so a that tire would be good. repair, car repair, maintenance type deal. Okay, in a Boost Mobile. So, well, it looks like it changed through the years, right? Maybe it was like two different. It used to be a FedEx, then it was a Boost Mobile, but a Food Mart. Who knows? what it is now you didn't let you ride down there and actually see what the tenant mix is but i mean i'm looking at the property itself i mean it looks like it's in pretty good shape right yeah yeah i think so i'm trying to think like i mean it doesn't look like the parking lot's in bad shape you don't need to pave it well there's a few cracks in there but it's just general wear and tear but it looks in pretty good shape yeah but is that an armor is that a oh okay i thought that was a... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, overall, yeah. So, well, how do you feel about it from a distress play? So let's say, let's let's just play some what-if scenarios here too. Let's say that the owner was defaulted on the rent and he needed to distress play this out. And so what would he said, okay, I, I know I can't get market value for this. What's a fair value that you would pay for this property that you would offer me today based on the metrics that you're seeing? Is that something that you would consider then? That's an amazing question. That's something that we also talked about when we were going back and forth about it. So if we go back to what, what you were originally asking is like, well, is it even worth it at that like type of return? Like, let's just say we're aiming for an 8% return. So it's just a simple math. You already know what the NOI is. We already said it was 35000 Right. So at, at 35,000 net operating income divided by the targeted return, which is, let's just say is 8%. 
like what a fair asking price would be is like 437,000. And that's at 8%. Like if it was 10, like it would be less, less of an asking price is what I'm saying. So that's what it, that's what I would offer. I mean, you might not get a callback. You might, they might say some un unfriendly, unnice things to you to be so far from asking, but at a 3% return, I mean, that deal is probably going to sit for a while, especially if they're asking for seven figures plus. Okay. And do you think, could it be possible that maybe he got an appraisal on the underlying land and yeah, the metrics on the property itself may not be so appealing, but the underlying land could be worth what, $900,000, $800,000. And then he said, you're getting $100,000, $200,000 in terms of actual business demographics on top of that. Is that something that could come into play too? Or is that just, you'd still walk away from it? How do you feel about that scenario? Um, that's, man, like you're really, you're really thinking about all the angles, man. Like I tip my hat to you. And again, like I have to preface, I'm not, I'm not a commercial guy, right? I'm just going off of my experiences from like looking at properties and like everything I've done from like a business school perspective of, or what I've done like in my corporate experience. But generally speaking, like if you're looking at a commercial deal, it's just all about like the income, like the income is going to drive the value. So like they've already provided what they're saying is the gross rent, the expenses and the net operating income. So in the asking price, like we can figure out what the cap rate is. And then once we know a cap rate, we can kind of figure out if the deal is good or not. So pretty confident in the whole 3% return thing. So it's like, we know it's not a high margin, high return type of play. Um, now, let's just say hypothetically, there is unblocked, untapped value in the land that, you know, hasn't been baked in. That would be something that the sellers need to make the buyer aware of right because man at one point one million plus i just don't see it. it like you typically look at a commercial deal and expect that you don't even carry a loan on it right that's why they focus on that operating income they don't take into account any type of like debt service on the property because the assumption is you're buying a commercial asset like in cash so would you fork over would you fork over a million dollars for that's not even like you're not even putting 35k in your pocket because you still have to like take out taxes and stuff but would, would that be attractive to you if you gave if if you gave me a million dollars and then i gave you like less than 35k it, the only way i would find that attractive is if i already had an operation and there was some type of strategic fit then yeah i could look at paying a little bit above marketplace that didn't make sense financially in the model or be accretive immediately, but just as a sole acquisition, no, that would not be a good idea to do that. Now, lastly, you mentioned, you know, there's a way financial model you would tie into this in terms of valuing this out. So what, what, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So, you know, like we said in the previous two pods, like we broke down, like looking at some residential properties and initial screening. And then we talked about like your world of buying private businesses and like properly valuing them and evaluating them. And one thing that just keeps coming up is the fact that, you know, we're practitioners, we've done this and we've had to actually analyze deals, many different types over like various industries and the thing, the tool that we use or 
various tools that we use are financial models. So model itself is something you can use to determine like the financial viability of either the deal, like the property or the business, or really, you know, anything that you're trying to like get an idea of a forecast to determine if it's, you know, potentially a good play for you. So these are tools that I've actually built for myself. They're, they're tried and tested because I've used them in my own businesses, but like we continue to use them to analyze deals, like even within the pod. So that's something that, you know, we have that we've worked on essentially our entire careers that we're going to make, you know, accessible to everyone that's listening, that you can just use these tools to go look, analyze, and either do deals that turn into great deals or avoid bad deals. Like that is a big help too, is like running things through the model determinant. Um, deals aren't good. Like doing, not doing a bad deal is in my mind just as good as like doing a good deal. Man, that's doing a bad deal. Man, that's what Warren Buffett 101, right? Don't lose money. And you are exactly right about that because you know, if you lose money, not only do you have to try to get a regular gain, you got to get back to zero first and then try to gain, which is doubly hard to do. And you lose the compounding thing of the time. So very, very advice there. Now, so these models are going to be available for the listeners. What's what's so what's unique about these models that you feel that we're, we're going to use these? I could go out and maybe Google some models. What, what would, what's the point of, you know, using these over just going out and trying to find what I can find out on the internet? <laughs> no, I get it, man. I totally understand. I'm just laughing because that's a fair question, right? It's like, okay, so what's so great about your stuff? I could just Google it, right? And the reality is, I mean, anyone can do this. Like anyone can build a model. Like I think what makes the model, essentially what makes the model good is like the assumptions, like the inputs that go into them. But I think what differentiates us from like some of the other people that sell these things is like we actually use these to do deals and have done deals based on like models we've built and have, you know, done these for really large corporations for, you know, millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars as well. So I think, you know, what what we're doing is battle tested and, you know, people can kind of take that for what it's worth. I mean. There are other models out there that I'm sure people have like similar experience, but I'm just very confident in what we have to offer because I know like the experience that we have and the amount of like work in detail that that we've done to, you know, put out quality products or quality content and, you know, build this whole like community of point of more returns, like with some level of like integrity and, and foresight that we didn't necessarily feel was out there, which is like why we started the pod in the first place. So we're just building on, you know, our mission with Point of More Returns and just, you know, really being about it. Like we've really done this stuff and we're bringing like content and products from people that have really been in the business. So you're saying that the Great benefit of this is that I'm getting a model that I know has actually been used in the field and has actual results compared to someone who may have just gone in a textbook or taken a course and built the model and hasn't actually put it to practical use. I, I like the sound of that. And the last thing I, I want to touch on just as we wrap up here is that unlike some of these other 
practitioners or I wouldn't say, I'm not going to say charlatans, but people who may not, you know, are, are just out to try to make a quick buck, right? You can actually, we show up here in the space each month and you can actually reach us. You know, you see our social media profile. We'll also have the site up. You can call us up and let us know if, you know, these tools aren't working for you. We're happy to do a Q&A here on the show and live and and put our results out here to the world. If, if someone was to use our tool and uh, see that it doesn't work for them, call us up, let us know. We, we've actually done it and we've seen results and we know that, you know, the results that we've been able to produce, they'd produce for you as well. So any closing thoughts on that welfare that you want to share with the audience as we close out here? No, that was amazing, man. I, I really appreciate you, you know, laying everything out in terms of just letting it be known, like, hey, we is battle tested again. And, you know, we really believe in what we're doing. We have a lot of conviction and, you know, it's not just a bunch of like fancy words. Like we really do this stuff. So we, we appreciate everyone listening and, uh, you know, we're going to keep building and we're going to keep building with integrity and perseverance and diligence. And we're just going to like continue to, to grow. And like you see, like on our pages, like the welfare page, like you see me building it brick by brick, like I'm giving you um, the good, the bad and the ugly with like the investment journey that that I'm on. So like we, we both are sharing our journey and we'll continue to do so.